Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Nation, the podcast that tells the remarkable story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African-Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical and how they changed America in the process. I'm David Armstrong, and I call this episode, Why I Love Hate Movie Musicals, Part 2. This is the second half of my conversation with my dear friend and frequent co-host Albert Evans, in which we explore the differences between stage and film musicals. If you missed part one, you may want to catch up with that before listening to this one. Of course, we don't really hate any movie musicals, and as you heard on the previous episode, and will continue to hear today, we actually love quite a few of them. And of course, Hollywood and Broadway musicals are closely related to one another and share many of the same writers, directors, choreographers, and stars, which is no doubt why many books and podcasts will analyze and discuss them together. But as you will hear, Albert and I see stage musicals and film musicals as being two very wonderful but very different things. Here we go. One of the big differences for me, first and foremost, is that original made-for-film musicals are usually, and you just said this a few minutes ago, are boy-meets-girl love stories. And I think that's true from Broadway Melody to La La Land. That is pretty much at the center of almost every made-in-Hollywood film musical, even some of the great ones that we've talked about and that we love. As anyone who's listened to this podcast will have heard me say before, Broadway musicals, however, are almost never just conventional love stories. They certainly all have romantic plots, but those romantic plots serve as metaphors for much larger social issues that are really being explored by that musical. Another big reason most made-for-film musicals do not even try to do what I know that you and I are the most interested in, and what I believe is the essence of the Broadway musical, which is to use music, lyrics, and dance as the prime vehicle for telling the 
story and defining the characters and to do it in a way that makes those musical sequences indispensable to the storytelling. Yeah. And, and you brought this up. If you remove the songs from most movie musicals, which they actually used to do yeah. <laughs> on TV back when we were kids because they were trying to fit them into time slots, it was really annoying, especially if you waited a whole year to see that movie. But the stories of the films were largely comprehensible, even with the yeah. songs taken out because they didn't really need the songs to tell the story. They didn't need the songs for the story to make sense. And this is because at its very basic thing, a movie musical is first and foremost a movie. Mm -hmm. The art and craft of making a movie was developed long before musical films were even possible. When movies were being invented, there wasn't any sound. There couldn't be any dialogue or singing, of course. So film had to develop as a visual art form. Stories had to be told through pictures. And they did it in an incredibly engaging and captivating way. And so by the time you get to, you know, 1929 and the first movie musicals, filmmaking has already established how it's going to work and how it's going to tell stories. Well, it's baked into motion pictures. That's what movies are. They're a series of pictures and they're in motion. That's the primary art of the movies. Exactly. Everything they else move. is kind of incidental. So when they got around to making musicals, they just made romantic comedies, which they knew how to make because they'd been making those for a couple decades at that point, And they stuck songs in them. And that essence of movie making hasn't changed and will never change because, as you just mm -hmm. said, it's a motion picture. It's how do you put these visuals together to tell a story with ideally as few words as possible. I do think that you can't ignore the fact that the audiences are completely different. Movies have to appeal to a mass coast-to-coast audience who may not be the most sophisticated people, who may never have seen a play, whose idea of a story would be like a story in the Saturday Evening Post or Collier's or something. Or a comic book. Or a comic book. And they simply want a story. Plays are written for playgoers. Musical theater plays are written for people who are experienced to coming to a theater. They know the rules of the theater. They know that their part in it is to pay attention or they will miss something. I think this was largely to Broadway's benefit because, mm -hmm. just as you said, stage shows, plays, and musicals have been written for urban audiences, for a much smaller slice of the population that wants to be challenged. And I mean that even with a comedy, challenged with language, challenged with having to understand the context, challenged with a base of experience that you walk into the theater with. And movies had to appeal to everybody everywhere which is why they were subject to the production code, because they had to not offend people. There was no censorship on yeah. Broadway during the years of the production code because the audience was so much smaller and so much more sophisticated and expected to go to Broadway to see racy material that would be banned mm -hmm. from movies. Right. I mean, Broadway was not a family enterprise. There were very few shows, actually, that you would even want to take your kids to because they would become rowdy or they would be bored. You know, it wasn't written for them. Because they were about adult subject matter. I don't mean that in a triple X way. I just mean that in terms of... Of things that are of concern to adults that are probably going to bore children for the most part. That children liked it like we did is a sort of added benefit. It's not really what yeah. the shows were designed for. 
I would say that's something that people, again, have a hard time understanding because in the last 20, 30 years, we've come to this idea of family musicals, Disney being a major part of that, which was just not there prior to that. Also, the act of movie going was very different. You would go, oh, such and such is playing at the local Odeon, and you would just go, and you would walk in, and whatever part of the movie was playing at that time, that's what you would see first. The idea of having to be there at the very beginning People would come in 15 minutes before the end. They would see the end, and then they would stay and see the beginning of the movie. That's absolutely the way my family went to movies. It's yeah, kind of mind-boggling now. Did. And I assume mm-hmm. it came from decades of there'd be two movies and a cartoon, a yeah. short subject and a newsreel, and they just would all run continuous, so you would just show up mm-hmm. whenever you wanted to go and sit through the full cycle. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. We're going to the promised land. We're heading across the river, across your sins. Another large reason that film musicals did not and have not used music and lyrics in the integrated musical play kind of way that Rodgers and Hammerstein taught us to expect and to love is because so many film musicals from the beginning right up to today have been, in essence, jukebox musicals. Even, as you said, some of the great ones that we love, like Singing in the Rain or The Bandwagon, they've used pre-existing songs, songs that were written decades before the movies were made. And most often those songs were used as what I call acknowledged songs in performance. They're done in a performance setting. Mm -hmm. So of course you can take those songs out of those movies without hurting the story because they're not being used to tell the story for the most part. But in the process, you're removing the entire reason we want to go see these movies in the first place, which is to see those great musical stars strut their stuff. As a kid, I can remember just being outraged that finally, after a year, you got to see Summer Stock and they'd cut Get Happy out of the movie. And I'd seen it before and I was waiting for that number to come and that would be gone. But it didn't affect the story at all. No, it wasn't in the story to begin with. They just decided (laughs) that Judy needed another big number at the end. Right, exactly. And they stuck it in Mm -hmm. for good reason. And she did. It's the thing people remember most about that movie. Yeah. And in contrast, if you cut the songs out of Oliver or Mm -hmm. My Fair Lady or any of the Broadway musical adaptations, the musical won't make any sense whatsoever. Because the story is still happening during the numbers. The story doesn't stop for a number. In many ways, Hollywood kept making Silver Age-style musicals long after Broadway had moved into the Golden Age. They made tighter plots for them, but they didn't integrate the story and the score together. Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical play format had very little effect on movie musicals Mm -hmm. outside of those Broadway adaptations, with a few exceptions. What do you think those exceptions are? Where can you see the influence of Rodgers and Hammerstein on the movie musical? Well, of course, the movie musicals that were written by other Broadway writers like Lerner and Lowe, like Gigi, has a very plotty musical score. And very Um, much because of the success of My Fair Lady, MGM wanted to do a musical in that style. We met at nine. We met at eight. I was on time. No, you were late. Ah, yes. I remember it well. 
We dined with friends. We dined alone. A tenor sang. A baritone. Ah, yes. I remember it well. That dazzling April moon. There was none that night. And the month was June. That's right. That's right. It warms my heart to know that you remember still the way you do. Ah, yes. I remember it well. That's a story we have challenges with today because we actually start to think about what it's really about. But it has incredible attention to detail. Everything is very deliberate. And integrated in that classic Broadway style. Mm -hmm. Can you think of any other examples? Let's see. Actually, I think Wizard of Oz is one of the best examples of a fully integrated score. Every song in that show, pre-Rodgers and Hammerstein... Yeah, I think it's the first integrated score, even more than Showboat. Yeah. Everything is in the service to that story, but that's because Harburg, who wrote the lyrics and much of the script, that's what he did. He was a Broadway writer. Yeah, it's really anticipating what's going to come on Broadway. It's very amazing in a way. I would say that Mary Poppins is a very integrated movie musical and very successful. It really has a full Broadway theater-type score. I feel a surge of deep satisfaction, much as a king astride his noble steed. When I return from daily strife to harp and wife, how pleasant is the life I lead. Dear, it's about the children. Yes, yes, yes. I run my home precisely on schedule. At 6.01, I march through my door. My slippers, sherry and pipe are due. At 6.02, consistent is the life I lead. George, they're missing. Spend it, spend it. It's grand to be an Englishman in 1910. King Edward's on the throne. It's the age of men. I'm the lord of my castle, the sovereign, the liege. I treat my subjects, servants, children, a wife. With a firm but gentle hand, noblesse oblige. It's 6.03 and the heirs to my dominion are scrubbed and tubbed and adequately fed. And so I'll pat them on the head and send them off to bed. Our lordly is the life I lead. Yeah, I think those are really good examples of musicals that learned the lesson of Broadway and yeah. accomplished it really well. Albert and I later thought up several more made-in-Hollywood musicals that, to varying degrees, attempted to adopt this new musical play style of writing that Rodgers and Hammerstein had pioneered on Broadway with Oklahoma. Most of them also imitated Oklahoma's Americana setting, and they include Meet Me in St. Louis, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Summer Holiday, Calamity Jane, Hans Christian Andersen, and of course, Rodgers and Hammerstein's own State Fair. Of course, movie musicals go on. When I was, you know, in grade school and high school, it was that era when all the big Broadway musicals were being turned into movie musicals, one after another, that string of roadshow pictures, as they call it, mostly Broadway adaptations. 
And those films that came out during my lifetime include Porgy and Bess, Flower Drum Song, West Side Story, The Music Man, Gypsy, Bye Bye Birdie, My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, Funny Girl, Oliver, Finian's Rainbow, Hello Dolly, Fiddler on the Roof, Cabaret, and Mame. And although I was too young to see the earliest of those in the movie theater, I distinctly remember when they were shown on television for the first time, including what was apparently the first and only broadcast of the film of Porgy and Bess on CBS in 1967. During that same period, several original film musicals that were imitating those Broadway adaptations were released, including Mary Poppins, Star, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Dr. Doolittle, Goodbye Mr. Chips, and Lost Horizon. All of those had a big impact on me, and I still enjoy seeing those movies. So just for the record, what are your favorite and or what do you think are the greatest stage-to-film adaptations? Well, it's tough because until the big road shows of the 60s, essentially, studios would buy Broadway shows, but then they would completely change them. They would toss out the score. They would have songwriters, good and bad, add new numbers. I mean, you would like buy a Cole Porter show and throw out everything except one number. Pre-Oklahoma, there's almost no really good adaptations of Broadway musicals. Sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll see something like Eddie Cantor's in Whoopi, which you get a really good sense of what the stage musical was like from watching this movie. Right. But it's a very sort of a vaudeville type where anything for a laugh, anything goes, but you still get a resemblance of what it would have been like to see that on stage. But yeah, I think it was the Rodgers and Hammerstein shows, Oklahoma, South Pacific, Carousel, which I don't think is a very good movie, and it's my favorite of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. King and I is a fantastic movie, but that showed that there was a market. And it was also the time when the long playing record had debuted in like 1948, and people learn these whole scores at home by just flipping a record once you could have a theatrical experience in your living room and so that's what they wanted they wanted to hear the farmer and the cowman they wanted to hear you know all of these songs they wanted to hear a puzzlement yeah audiences were going to now walk into the theater knowing what the score to the show was. yeah and knowing what the story is because all of a sudden stories were emotional stories the consequences of actions in a play are usually emotional in a movie they had traditionally just be the consequences of some action just to line up a sequence of events that will take you from the beginning of the movie to the end but it's not really about emotions but the golden age musicals are about emotions and many of the songs are about interior emotions it draws you into a whole different era now for me the problem is that a broadway musical is like two and a half hour three hours long from that period and when you try to put that into a movie to me again this is only my own taste it makes you weary It's so long, it seems bloated almost. And to make it into a big spectacular movie, see, like, My Fair Lady on stage was very elegant, but it was also stage elegant. And when you transfer it to a movie musical, suddenly Higgins lives in this mansion. How is he doing this? He's like an eccentric voice teacher and dialectician. An academic of some kind. How much money can he have? Yeah, he looks like he's part of the royal family. And he has all these servants. And it just overwhelms. And even the costume 
costume. They have to be the biggest costumes. I mean, the ascot gavotte looks like a Ziegfeld Follies. To me, a lot of the charm of many of these musicals is drained from them. Some of them work. Like, I recently rewatched Oliver, and I was surprised to see that, oh, this actually was made into a pretty good movie. There was a quote I read in this recent book that I interviewed the author for called Sondheim and Me. Mm -hmm. And Sondheim says, I'll misquote him here, but basically what he's saying is that the stage expands time so that Mm -hmm. you can take a moment that would really be just the blink of an eye and turn it into a five-minute song and sit in that moment with this character and it will feel perfectly right and be very compelling and dramatic. Whereas he said, film compresses time. And so that when you put those two things together, it's very challenging often to make them work. Yeah. But there were some good ones. Like Fiddler is extremely different from the stage show, but it works well as a movie. And actually in its text is not very different at all. Mm-hmm. But of course, the presentation has to be yeah, so the different. the tone is very much more realistic and yeah. gritty. And, yeah. But um, they make that work. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with West Side Story, with the original film of West Side Story, and to a certain extent, the more recent one, Mm -hmm. they figure out a way to transfer it, to take the values of it and turn it into a movie Mm -hmm. that honors the original, but isn't trying to be the original. Only you, you're the only thing I see forever in my eyes, in my words, and in everything I do, nothing else but you. And there's nothing for me but Maria Every sight that I see is Maria Tony, Tony With you, every thought I'll ever know Everywhere I go, you'll be All the world is only you and me Another of the things that separates Broadway musicals from film musicals is that in a movie musical, the singing may not be performed by the actual star that we're watching. Which for me can be a real problem. I don't feel I have... complete admiration for the person who's performing. Even when it's done really well, like in The King and I, I still want to see someone who can do it all. They used to do that in movie musicals. I mean, MGM had all the stars in heaven. Not all of them could sing, but they'd put them in movie musicals anyway, like Peter Lawford or someone. And it would be kind of charming because, oh, he was a real person, but at least you knew it was him. And he did his own singing is what you're saying. Yeah, they wouldn't get like Tony Martin to suddenly start singing behind the scenes, which of course is what Singing in the Rain is all about. And of course, the irony of Singing in the Rain is that Debbie Reynolds is dubbed when she's dubbing Gene Hagen in one of the sequences. Yeah, when she's doing dialogue, the high-toned dialogue, that's all Gene Hagen. And also, isn't she dubbed when she sings the soprano with you, yeah. with you? Yes, that's not actually Debbie Reynolds no. singing. That's an irony within an irony. Yeah. That's a block for me that I can't go over, and it's just a personal thing. I love it when people can get over that because they have more to appreciate. I can see that. I don't think I'm as affected by that as you. Somehow you know it's not the person singing, even though everybody in a movie is lip-syncing their recording that they already made ahead of time. They are. So they're all lip-syncing. Just some of them are lip-syncing their own voice. But that's my problem with West Side Story, Mm -hmm. and always has been, even from when I first saw it as a wee tot on my mother. 
bothers me. I just can't buy it. I cannot buy the fact that Richard Beamer is not singing because it's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and that Natalie Wood isn't singing. It makes for a beautiful illusion. But in a story like West Side Story, I don't know that an illusion is what I'm there to see. It seems to be about something that's real and kind of street level. And it just seems a little glossy to me. Broadway Nation will be right back. Hi, this is David Armstrong, and even here in Seattle, warmer, sunnier days are on their way. So it's time to fuel up for them and meet your wellness goals with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Thanks to Factors' menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, or my favorite, Vegetarian, Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. So what are you waiting for? Kickstart that new healthy routine with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week so you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can crush those wellness goals with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make everyday delicious from breakfast to dessert with restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. With no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. With Factor, you enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle, choosing from six menu preferences that help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced meals. Here's what you do. Head to factormeals.com bn50 and use code bn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BN50 at factormeals.com slash BN50, as in Broadway Nation 50, and you'll get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do it today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the end, I think what we remember most about film musicals are the stars and the numbers. Judy Garland singing Get Happy, Fred and Ginger dancing cheek to cheek, Gene Kelly singing In the Rain. It's the star and the number emblazoned in our head. And if you look at the movies they come from, they may or may not be the most satisfying movies. Two of those movies are great, Top Hat and Singing in the Rain. But as I said before, Summer Stock's not a very 
very distinguished movie, but that one number jumps off the screen at you. But what's unforgettable about a great Broadway show are the characters and the stories. We think about the movies because of the stars, Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire and Betty Grable, even great stars who didn't make very good movies. We remember them because of their personalities and their talent. But on a Broadway show, it's Tevia and his daughters that we remember, and Rose and Louise, and Weenie Todd and Mrs. Lovett, and Cole House Walker, and Tracy Turnblad, or even Evan Hansen. In spite of many of the times they were played by great stars to begin with, it's the characters that linger. And you've talked about that being another of the great innovations of Rodgers and Hammerstein, what they brought to the table. Old Man River, I Can't Say No show the way to create these character-defining songs Mm -hmm. that cement these characters in our memory, that bring them to life in a way that didn't happen prior to that. Well, and can't be moved to another show. Or to another character. Yeah, I mean, they're so specific. If I Were a Rich Man, it just implants that character, and almost no movie musical ever has done that, except the ones based on Broadway shows. It's just not what they're trying to do. I think, though, the reason we remember people like Judy Garland is because she brings the emotion and the drama that wouldn't be there if Jane Powell were singing The Boy Next Door. (laughs) It just wouldn't be. She is so emotionally available, and it was probably not good for her, but she was able to do that. I mean, look at A Star is Born. She has dialogue scenes in that that are just shattering, but also the numbers, Man That Got Away, is... One of the greatest four minutes or however long that song yeah. is ever put on film in every aspect. The man that won you has run off and undone you. That great beginning has seen a final inning. Don't know what happened. It's all a crazy game. It tells a story about someone who lost their lover. And at the same time, it's about her excitement at realizing, oh, my God, I can sing. I can really do this. It's joyful and it's incredibly sad at the same time. And not many actors could do that in a scene, let alone a song. Looking for the man that got away. That 
level of talent is why Judy Garland was the center of 30 movies. I don't know how many movies. Fred Astaire was the center of 50 movies, maybe. They had talent and personality and charisma that demanded that these movies be created for them. But again, we may know the names of some of their characters, but we don't remember the characters they played. We remember them. And that is more like Broadway in the 1920s and 30s than Broadway post-Oklahoma. There were still big stars, but even with Ethel Merman, who was an outsized personality with the greatest shows like Gypsy, Rose goes on long after Ethel Merman. Yeah. Maybe the reason we love hate movie musicals is that we love and celebrate what they were able to achieve with the stars, with the music, with the talent that they had, with creating thrilling moments of film. But what we don't like so much is that they rarely tried to do what we most value about Broadway. Yeah. And as we've discussed, there are reasons why they didn't try to do it. It wasn't because they weren't sophisticated people. They spent a lot of money on these movies and they had to make money back. It's very much a, is it going to pay off at the box office? And entertain every person in every movie theater in every little town in America. And Broadway, for all its problems, doesn't have to entertain everyone in America. It has to entertain the people who want to go see a Broadway show. There's people like that all over America, but it's never going to be the majority of people in any city, even in New York. Oh my God. Thank you, Albert, for joining us today. This has been, I think, a really interesting conversation, and I really enjoyed it. Well, I really enjoyed it, too. It's a topic that we don't normally talk about in front of other people. So thank you for having me on. My pleasure, as always. Where any office boy or young mechanic can be a panic with just a good-looking pan. And any shop girl can be a top girl if she pleases the tired businessman. Hooray for Hollywood! You may be homely in your neighborhood. To be an actor, see Mr. Factor, you make your kisser look good. If you enjoy this podcast, I feel certain that you will also enjoy joining our Broadway Nation Facebook group, where you'll find daily postings of images, videos, articles, and links that relate to and enhance each and every episode of this podcast. Just Google Broadway Nation Facebook group and join the more than 2,000 other fans of Broadway Nation. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. Special thanks to Pals Mox for his help with editing this episode. To KVSH 101.9, the voice of beautiful Vashon Island, Washington. And to the entire team at the Broadway Podcast Network.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.